I am one of the 11 million undocumented immigrants living in the shadows of the United States. To all, to all the, the dreamers, dreamers out, out there, there, we stand, we stand with, you. with you. You're listening to A is for America, a podcast from America's Voice, hosted by Joe Sudbay and Van Lee. Hello and welcome to A is for America, a weekly deep dive podcast where we talk to allies, advocates, and activists on the front lines of a changing America. I'm Joe Sudbay in Washington, D.C. And I'm Van Lee here in San Jose, California. Today we'll be speaking with our California State Director, Adriana Ruggiero. She hosted a fantastic event on New American Voters in Los Angeles this week, featuring our friend Matt Barreto, who is a pollster with Latino Decisions, and many other allies and partners talking about the midterm elections, the Latino vote, and where we go from here. But more about that later. First, uh, we should probably talk about Donald Trump and how he tear-gassed women and children at the border last week over Thanksgiving weekend. These were women and children who had come to the U.S.-Mexico border to seek asylum, which is legal, by the way, under both U.S. and international law, and Border Patrol agents tear-gassed them. The world is condemning Trump for this, but Republicans, and I find this almost as disgusting as the original act, are defending him. A former Border Patrol official, Ron Colburn, actually went on Fox News to say that the pepper spray that was used is, quote, natural. You could actually use it on your nachos and eat it, unquote. And as we and others have pointed out, there are so many better ways to have handled the situation. The border is supposed to be set up so that we can process people and decide what to do with their asylum claims. But Trump clearly wanted something like this to happen because for some reason he's decided that taking this kind of us versus them stance at the border is good for him politically. I don't know why. You know, it's unbel- it's stunningly and it's awful and the images are just sickening. And but the problem is it is exactly what Trump wants. You know, we're closing in on um, Congress having to finally fund the rest of the budget this week. He wants full funding for his border wall and he's using this what happened at the border this week up crisis that he created through mismanagement and through, you know, just failed policies to uh, push more for his border wall. The border wall has been rejected. Trump made the elections about immigration and the border wall. He was aided and abetted by Kevin McCarthy, who's the GOP leader, the majority leader in the last Congress, who will run, be the minority leader in this coming Congress. He actually introduced a bill in October for full funding for the wall. Republicans made immigration the top issue, and they got whacked in these elections. 40 seats. We're up to 40 seats in the House that Democrats have picked up. Seven of them in California. We're going to talk to Adriana about that. That is a significant pickup in California. That was a big part of the discussion that was held in L.A. this week with advocates and activists who made it happen, who did the work to make it happen, and, you know, picked up governor's seats, picked up sheriff races, sheriffs who opposed ICE around the country working with ICE. And, you know, the Republicans were supposed to have a great year in the Senate. Last year we were thinking, oh my God, the Republicans could pick up, get over 60 seats in the Senate. They picked up a couple, but they didn't nearly get to where they want. It's going to be 53-47. So we've seen what these elections were about. It was about rejecting Trump's racism, Trump's xenophobia, and 
now, you know, they're tear gassing women and children at the border and they're still trying to build their border wall. That's ridiculous. So let's get into our conversation with Adriana right now because it's really what's a great event. Adriana Ruggiero has been the state director in California and, and a lot of the work you've done, Adriana, has been so impressive because as we've talked many times, we've talked about it on this podcast, California is always like the bedrock of great policy on immigration. We have such great allies and across the state who do the work and who have, you know, got the Trust Act passed, the California Trust Act. But this year, California was really a central point in American political discussion, and that's new to California. But there were so many great folks who were on the ground doing the work. You've talked to a lot of them. You had them at your event this week. And also, to top it off, we did do our election eve polling, the American election eve poll. We did two different sets of polls. One was the battleground districts, 70 battleground districts, but we also specifically polled in California. We polled Latino voters, AAPI voters, and African-American voters. And I know Matt Beretta was able to present a lot to uh, to the group on what the findings were, which uh, it was really great because it was kind of like what we found in the polling was backed up by the work and the fact that, you know, like we said, seven House seats the Democrats picked up. Adriana, welcome back to A is for America. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Van. Thank you, Joe, for having me. This is this is really good. And I'm very excited to have the opportunity to share with you and the uh, podcast audience all of the really interesting conversations we had at this event on in Los Angeles uh, on this past week. Um, we call it... Um, it was a open discussion. Uh, it was a 2018 pause election recap and a look ahead because basically we were looking at the work that was done at what happened and also looking at the future because a lot of what happened, just like you said, Joe, uh, it's so critical and so important in the state of California that is going to define um, many of the outcomes that we're going to see in the future. And you are 100% right. California, as we discussed uh, in multiple opportunities in the past, you know, it has been uh, considered a, a democratic state for a long time. And somehow, for maybe for that reason, its political uh, relevance at the national level wasn't really offering any anything new or really exciting. However, these 2018 midterm elections gave California an opportunity to change that. And on election night, we were not really seeing that a lot, but as the votes are counted, we are seeing the real picture. It has been slow, a slow process because it, have, it has taken um, weeks, but the message is very clear. And what's the message? Community of colors turned out in huge numbers and the um, community of, of colors and voters in California rejected the anti-immigrant agenda and they also spoke strongly about other issues that matter to them and uh, I will say the, all, the uh, other important takeaway that's something that people will not see at the national level is how important was the work that was being done on the ground by these organizations that participated at this event 
And um, I just want to mention really quick who we had in the room because the work they did was really crucial for what we saw. So we had Matt Barreto, of course, from Latino Decision, and we also had uh, people from People California, from Pico California, the California Endowment, Power California, Mi Familia Vota, Ben Monterroso was there, very exciting as always. We had Diana Colling from uh, Chirla, and we also have Dorian Call from Naleo. So as you can see, this was, uh, this was a, uh, an opportunity to have all the main organizations in one room, in one room talking about what happened and what's coming and what's the future looking like for California. Yeah, Adriana, let's talk about these seven House seats that we just won in California. These were formerly held Republican seats that we had targeted for flipping, and we swept all of them. As you mentioned, it took a long time, three weeks, for us to realize that this massive victory had happened because the votes took so long to count. But I think this is enormous. We've talked many times on this podcast about 1994 and Pete Wilson, Prop 187, and how that whole episode heralded a new era for California for California because of how racist Pete Wilson was and how that turned off California voters permanently. And it seems like this is another such moment where you used to have all these Republican seats in Southern California, and now so many of them are blue. This is a realignment. Uh, Adriana, what do you think about this win? Well, uh, it's very, it's, it's very, um, it's an example what happened here. Uh, these seven seats are located in very critical areas. Four of them are in Orange County. And uh, Orange County, as, as we have discussed uh, multiple times, was a, a bastion. It was a, a central area for Republicans in the state. And it has been a very, very conservative county for many years in the country. Uh, but that changed completely on these midterms elections. We're going to have a house in 2019 where no representative from the Republican Party is going to be on behalf of Orange County from California. And that's something almost unthinkable a few months ago. Uh, and then you have other races that were uh, also flipped in the Central Valley. Central Valley is a highly Hispanic populated area that has been forgotten for a while. And um, Latinos for the first time had a chance to really come out and make their voices heard in there. Uh, and it's primarily because they had finally the opportunity to do so. So yes, just as you said it, Van, uh, the the rest of the state has been very progressive in general terms, and you will kind of expect that they will uh, reject certain uh, certain measures or certain uh, national anti anti immigrant rhetorics and um, other other measures run by the Republican Party. But in these other areas, you had one in the Central Valley, an area where voters were basically forgotten. That's it. They were not, they were never invited to the party. And then in the Orange County, the GOP, GOP was always dominating the conversation, but they just lost connection with the voters in Orange County. They were totally 
disconnected to what really mattered to them. And in, and in the Central Valley, while they were campaigning for the wall, their people, their very, their very own constituent were fighting and wanting something completely different. And they were talking about it to these organizations that were walking on the ground, knocking on doors, calling them, uh, texting them, providing tools to protect themselves, to ask questions about the elections. And this is how this happened. This is how they were able to uh, change the seven seats. I, I know we want to play some clips from your event, but I do. I do just want to follow up. And it's really interesting. The one seat that was recently called is California's 21st Congressional District. And there was an assumption going into that election that David Valadell, the incumbent, was going to survive. He had, you know, it's a, it's, it is the, one of the highest uh, Latino population district. The loading, Latino voting age shares around 56% in California 21. The uh, opponent, T.J. Cox, who is actually the son of immigrants, um, uh, ran a very strong campaign. And like you said, there were a lot of groups on the ground that were actually engaging Latino voters for the first time. And even in California's 22nd district, Devin Nunez won, but he only won. He won in the past by like 30 points. He only won by like six or eight points. It was it was a much closer margin. And Andrew Jans, who ran against him, said one of his goals was to increase Latino turnout. And I think that's something we've seen around the country. We certainly saw it in Texas is that finally you know, resources were put in. It wasn't necessarily from the National Party, although they, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee did spend more on Latino voter outreach this year than in the past. But it was also groups, like you said, Power California, Churla, uh, Mi Familia Vota, who were on the ground, knocking on doors, talking to people, hearing their concerns, and making sure they understood the import. And this all played out against the backdrop of Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy setting an agenda that was viciously anti-immigrant. We know from the polling in California and from what we saw in our American Election Eve poll, voters overwhelmingly rejected that. And I know Matt Barreto talked about that with y'all on um, this week in Los Angeles. Yeah. You know what? I'm glad that you mentioned that because it is another very important factor. Even in those districts where the GOP won, their margin was so small that, I mean, we hear it over and over again. Uh, the the uh, Republican Party has literally vanished from uh, California. And this was uh, confirmed by data collected by Latino Decision. That's something that Matt Barreto actually shared with us at the event. Um, he was, for example, telling us that 80% of Latinos reported to feel personally affected by the racist Trump's agenda. Um, over 80% of Latinos and African-Americans uh, and 70% or something over 70% of Asian-Americans um, were saying that Donald Trump was using a toxic rhetoric to divide us. And at the same time, he was telling us that the, the data shows that the results in California that voted heavily Democratic was highly driven by voters of colors. And maybe this is a, a good moment to hear a little bit about what Matt Barreto said during the event. So we'll start with uh, where Efrain left us off uh, and just get this question out of the way. How did we vote in the U.S. House elections? We know that seven House seats in the state of California uh, converted. They changed 
uh, from Republican held to Democratic held. Uh, there were no Democratic seats that held, uh, changed. And so there was a, a seven seat change in California. Mm -hmm. This was driven entirely by the votes of communities of color in California. Um, over 85% of Latinos, African-Americans, and Asian-Americans in California indicated, of voters, indicated that they voted for the Democratic candidate in their congressional race here in California. Uh, and as I'll show you at the end of the survey, we also found uh, very large increases in voter participation. Uh, there was also increases uh, among white non-Hispanic voters for the Democratic Party. Uh, and in California, they uh, vote much more evenly as compared to other states, we saw in the Mississippi uh, Senate election just yesterday, in other states, uh, whites vote over 80% Republican in some cases. Here in California, they're more evenly split, but there's no question that when we talk about this blue wave that took place from a pure data perspective, this was entirely driven by the votes of communities of color that provided overwhelming vote uh, to the Democratic candidates. Why was this happening? Well, we asked, uh, voters in our survey, uh, voters who voted in this election, uh, whether or not Trump has ever made them feel angry or disrespected. And you can see that among communities of color, uh, there was a very high sense of agreement with this, that because of something he has said or done, Trump has made them angry. 73% of Latinos, 80% of African Americans, and 70% of Asian Americans said that Trump has made them angry. We saw this in the reporting that was being done in our communities. We saw this in the organizing and in the conversations on doorsteps. Uh, but the survey then validates this in a statewide representative fashion. Very high percentages of voters said that they were angry. And not just angry, that they felt disrespected. And when people are angry and feel disrespected, they take action. And that's one of the takeaways that we learned uh, in this uh, poll. Specifically, when talking about some of the sentiment, some of the rhetoric, some of the statements and policies uh, that President Trump has been making over the last two years that he has been in office. Uh, we asked people whether or not that that had an impact on your community. And we asked Latinos about the Latino community, African-Americans about the black community and so on. And overall, a very high percentage of California communities of color said that Trump had had either a negative impact on their community or that Trump's policies were specifically racist intended to hurt their community. Um, it was the highest answer given by Latinos and African-Americans uh, and a very high rate of Asian-Americans also agreed. As you can see, over 80% of Latinos said that Trump had either a negative or direct racist impact, 76% of African-Americans and 63% of Asian-Americans. Very few people said that there was no impact. There was, uh, these communities were definitely feeling an impact uh, in this election. When we asked about the rhetoric specifically and their reactions to the rhetoric, um, once again, uh, over 80% of Latinos and African-Americans agreed that Trump and Republicans are using toxic rhetoric to try to divide Americans from one another and a very high percent, 77% of Asian-Americans. This is something that is being felt, it is being observed uh, and it is real in these communities. One of the findings that we um, were most, we found one of, one of the data points we found most interesting from this survey was that record number of people said that they were taking it upon themselves to encourage their friends or family to register or vote in this election. 
at rates even higher than in a presidential year. 62% uh, of Latinos in California said that they personally encouraged their friends or family to vote in the election this year. 80% of African-Americans, a trend that we have seen um, for the better part of a year, really since the Virginia gubernatorial election, an extremely high rate of self-engagement among the African-American community, and also that that trend was consistent in the Asian-American community. This is something that was consistent across all communities here in California, that people were were doing the mobilization themselves. Part of that was the result of the community activism and the knocks on doors that many of the speakers here are gonna talk about what their organizations did, that this then led people to continue to get involved and get engaged. Um, in terms of some policy issues, uh, healthcare was one of the most prominent policy issues that was mentioned um, by all voters, and it was particularly high in communities of color. Uh, over 70% of Latinos, African-Americans, and Asian-Americans in California think that Obamacare should be strengthened and expanded. They want to see increased access uh, to health care. Um, racial profiling is a topic uh, that has uh, long been important in African-American communities, but also we're finding similar rates of support for ending racial profiling in the Latino and the Asian-American community, something that uh, has been talked about specifically uh, in the politics here in Los Angeles County by the new incoming sheriff. And we know that this is a national trend as well, uh, but something that we're seeing increased support for. Uh, and finally, uh, we asked people uh, how they responded to what politicians were saying about immigrants. And we gave them two different statements that politicians in this cycle were making. We didn't attribute them to a specific politician, but we said, imagine there's two candidates. One says that immigrants just wanna provide a better life for their families and we should have legislation to make America more welcoming. The other says America has too many undocumented immigrants. They hurt the economy, they bring crime, they bring uh, violence. Overwhelmingly, uh, Latinos, African-Americans, and Asian-Americans rejected that narrow and stereotypical view. This created a backlash. This is what created that anger uh, in California and created that mobilization. Uh, overwhelmingly, these communities of color support a more welcoming and positive uh, approach uh, to immigration. And finally, I'm gonna leave you with um, a message that we tested in terms of what is the path forward. Uh, you can see here from the bars that it's universally approved and supported. 86% of Latinos, 87% of Blacks, and 95% of Asian Americans agree with this sentiment. And the sentiment is, sentiment is that we need to make progress on immigration reform. Specifically, um, you can see here the phrase, it's obvious we need to reform our immigration system, but calling immigrants rapists and gang members accomplishes nothing. People recognize that this rhetoric does not move anything forward. We also found similar high levels of support for this message among white non-Hispanics, including especially among independents. Um, but if we push further, we see what people do support is, is reform, that Congress needs to work together on bipartisan immigration reform and put the issue to uh, rest. It has been debated, it has been proposed uh, for almost 12 years now, since the 2006 immigration rallies, and Americans are tired of the divisiveness and they're ready to see uh, action on this uh, uh, policy. The final thing I'm gonna show you is, is some very recent data that we've been collecting at our uh, Latino Policy and Politics Initiative over at UCLA, and here we're gonna focus just on, on some data from California. What we have done is we have gotten precinct level returns Everyone has been asking, what do we know about voter turnout? Was Latino voter turnout higher? 
Um, and so what we've done is we've collected for the counties here in the Los Angeles metro area in Southern California, every single precinct in Los Angeles, Orange, San Diego, and Ventura counties. And for every single precinct, we know exactly how many Latinos are registered to vote in that precinct uh, from the uh, UC Berkeley statewide database. They provide a list of the percentage of all voters. And you see that running across the bottom there on the x-axis, whether there are zero Latinos in the precinct or whether it's 100% Latino precinct. And going up and down on the y-axis on the side tells us how much of a change in voter turnout there was, how many more ballots were cast this year in 2018 compared to 2014. And what we found here, if we click through and see, is that if you focus on the left side of the chart, these are non-Latino precincts. These are precincts that are 15% or less Latino. And if we look at those precincts, we see that if we start in 32% of the precincts that I have circled there in yellow, there was a 10% or less. In some of the ones below the red line, they actually had less votes cast than in 2018, about a third. The most common, the most common outcome was that there was a modest increase, 10 to 40%. That represented 35% of precincts with very few Latinos. A more um, uh, medium increase of 40 to 70% was found in 15% of the precincts. You see they're highlighted in yellow. And then these precincts at the top, you can see that the lines, uh, there's fewer dots there. Okay, that was only 18%. Now let's contrast this to what we see on the other end of the spectrum in the Latino precincts. Okay, so over here on the other side of the chart, here at the bottom, only 7% of Latino precincts had a 10% or less increase. Only 7%. There's very few dots down there. Only 12% had a 10 to 40% increase. 36% of Latino precincts are in this 40 to 70% range. And the largest number is in the 70% or higher range. 45% of Latino precincts had 70% or higher change in votes cast. That compares to only 18% of non-Latino precincts. And so we have evidence here now that we have this precinct data and we're collecting more data for the Inland Empire. We're collecting more data for the San Joaquin Valley. And eventually we'll have every single precinct in the entire state and we'll know how many Latinos were in there. We know how many ballots were cast in 2014 and how many were cast in 2018. And there's no question from this data that as the percent Latino increases, that slope goes up. That's what that blue line is. There is higher growth in the ballots cast as there are more Latinos in the precinct. And this data gives us confidence that the work that was being done, whether it was by the organizations or whether it was the self-mobilization, turned out to be a very, very large uh, increase in the Latino vote. So let me just conclude. What do we know? Minority voters in California across the board, Latinos, African-Americans, and Asian-Americans, they were highly engaged through both the campaigns, the both candidate campaigns and the civic campaigns, but also through self-mobilization. Minority voters were angry. They supported candidates who stood up for their issues. They supported causes that stood up for their issues. They wanted to see self-respect, anti-racism, and pro-healthcare were the three biggest issues that voters mentioned to us in our surveys. Finally, we know that continued investment in these communities has the greatest opportunity, not just for short term, not just for winning an election by 436 votes, but for long and medium term gains, we need to continue to invest because the demographics are changing. The communities of color are becoming a, a larger part, not just here in California, uh, but nationally. So I'll leave you with that. 
and uh, turn it over uh, to our other uh, panelists for uh, remarks and uh, Adriana uh, to continue the discussion. Oh, I love listening to Matt Brett. It was fun. I watched the live stream of your event, Adriana, and I've worked with Matt Pareto for years. I was sitting across the table from him, literally at this very table in my dining room on election night as we were watching results came in and and releasing the results from the um, American election eve poll by state. And the, 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 first, he's so, so smart, but the the way he explains and the depth of his analysis and also his enthusiasm, it's just kind of infectious. It really is. I, I'm a, I, obviously, I'm a huge fan, um, but that is really interesting stuff. He is. He is. And, and I mean, to understand data that is usually boring and difficult, I mean, if you're not a person who, the kind of person who works in that field, is, is usually boring and difficult and complex. He, uh, he, as just like you said, he collected very, very strong information, he and, and his team, and he puts it in a very simple way. And I think that the most important part is something not only Latino decisions, but all of you guys uh, supporting the election eve poll, because uh, I know you, Joe, were also working on it, is to have the opportunity to for, to look for the first time at the real picture of the Latino voters. Something that we have heard in the past over and over again is talking about the lack of interest among Latinos. And as a Latina, personally, that made me angry many, many times because I knew that was not true, but we were not, for some reason, looking at that on the numbers. And the reality is that, that it, it, it wasn't that actually it wasn't a reality. What was really happening is that one, the investment was not strong enough to bring Latinos to the party. And I will use an example that Ben Monterosso was telling me that is so good. He was, he was telling me, if you're organizing uh, this barbecue, carne asada, uh, this weekend, and, and you tell a friend, uh, hey, I'm having this barbecue this weekend, and that's it. And then ne the next week you tell them, uh, oh, you didn't come. It's, it's very likely like the other person would say, well, you didn't invite me. And you can always say, well, but I told you about it. We cannot assume that people are going to come. We really need to tell them um, why this matters, why this is important. And uh, this is something that um, folks were discussing at this event, the importance of giving people uh, a, a real reason to turn out, to talk to them, to, in, to involve them in the process. And, and also at the same time is the fact that we were, this was happening and this takes time. Uh, we have different, for example, Diana calling from Chirla was using her own example and uh, her family of how the, we're seeing this result and we didn't see it in the past. Well, the immigrant community needed time to get involved in the process, in the civic engagement process to understand certain things. And also, let's not forget that there are a lot of young Latinos that now are 
you know, they have been born in the country or they have grown in the country and they understand their rights and, and they have been educated in America and they are they're driving this movement. And this is actually something that Power California was working a lot on with young voters. And Aparna Shah from Power California was telling us about the different strategies they used. And um, I just think it's, it's very important to not forget that the sleeping giant was never sleeping. It was just taking some time to see the numbers as we saw it on this past election. Right. That is, and that is one of the takeaways from around the country, I thought, um, was that uh, young, young voters showed up. And that is really important. And in California, we certainly know Latinos showed up and, and in and other states around the country. And just a really, you know, great cap to a, a very successful. I'm glad you could pull this event together and have some of the people talk about it. Because um, like we said, you know, so often we look at California for good policy, but this year we've actually been able to look at it for good politics. And I just, you know, you just know it's going to keep rolling. And it, and it certainly came across from the folks that you had in the room that they they have figured out, they have had success. They not they are now in, intend to build on that success, and that's only going to be good for us. And I and I think you know, it it does send a signal to members of Congress, right now. Look, look what happened in 2018. Trump made these elections about immigration. It's the only issue he really wanted to talk about, and he failed, and he failed badly. The Democrats had their biggest pickup since. Watergate and the margin it continues to grow. The margin of the vote continues to grow. So anyway, just great work, Adriana, that you did helping to tell the stories and that so many of your colleagues did. You inspired us and they delivered, man. They really <laughs> delivered. You Californians. Thank you, Van. Thank you, Adriana. California showed up. Now, thank you guys for the opportunity. It, it's been an honor to be able to witness this. And, and also to talk to all of these people and give them an opportunity to share, uh, actually, actually to celebrate because it's a celebration to finally see the result of the work they've been doing for years. And now it's, it's actually a concrete uh, result. So it, it's actually a, an honor for me to, to be able to do this. It's great stuff, great stuff. Wow. Ben, I, I just feel like you know, uh, we've been doing this podcast now for about a year. Um, we knew that the goal was, you know, we, we had done so much work in Virginia. The goal was to point out what had happened in the elect, what we saw was going to happen in the elections, that what we expected from the Republicans, what we knew Trump was going to do. We knew they were going to run an ugly racist campaign. They did run an ugly racist campaign. We kept track of the ads. We did our distract and divide and distract 2018 website that monitored those ads. We saw it play out and now we've seen the result and it was such a backlash against that hateful rhetoric. You know, uh, Ron Brownstein, who is an amazing writer who actually is from, used to write at the Los Angeles Times years ago and now we see him on CNN and he, write, he wrote a piece at The Atlantic, Republicans didn't learn anything from the midterms. And I think they are stuck. They're stuck with their leader. Their leader is still making policy based on, you know, racist, policy, racist ideas that come from the hate groups, the anti-immigrant hate groups. And Stephen Miller is still in the White House calling the shots and this is all they've got they've got nothing else they've got nothing to offer the american people so we we will see more of this but we are in a much better position to fight back 
their their you know the uh, chair the new incoming chair of the House Judiciary Committee Jerry Nadler has already said he wants answers he wants answers about what happened on the what's happened on the border he wants to know who has um, who has um, set uh, set up these policies to uh, separate children he wants to know who ordered tear gassing so those are the things that we're going to be able to get more answers on answers we couldn't get before so this is this is we got a lot we got a lot a lot's going to happen once congress takes over and there is one thing van before we go before we go something else happened this week and it's something that was very poignant i think for all of us in who work in immigration reform our champion one of our greatest champions gave his final speech on the floor. That was Representative Luis Gutierrez. He has been on the front lines. He's worked closely with America's Voice and every other group. And he gave his, you know, closing remarks. It was really something. And he, he, he said, um, it is the legacy of helping families and individuals and making this country a more welcoming place for people. People a lot like my parents from rural Puerto Rico. That is what I carry with me as I leave. My work for America, her immigrants, and the character of our great nation is not done. It is simply switching to private life. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. And that was the closing from Luis Gutierrez on the floor today. Really very poignant. Yeah, so beautiful. He's been such a great friend and partner and champion for us. So thank you, uh, Adriana, for joining us today. Adriana Ruggiero, who's the uh, California State Director. As always, thanks to my colleague, Van Lee. My name's Joe Sudbay. This is A is for America, the podcast from America's Voice. Follow us on Twitter at America's Voice. Read our blog at americasvoice.org. Rate us if you're listening, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And thank you very much. We'll be back next week with more stories from the front lines of a changing America. 